So uh, I was just trying to find out who, who like the most famous 10 year olds are right now, you know? And I just heard TikTok stars. I just, now you're on a watch list. I just heard like my camera on my, like uh, (laughs) my computer was like, yeah, go ahead and move in. We got him. So, Welcome to the Replay Value Podcast, where we deep dive into the movies we all love to watch over and over again. I'm Phil, joined by my brother from the same mother, our co-host on the West Coast, Warren. What's up, bro? In this episode, we're going to talk about the Christmas comedy sequel, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Okay, anyway. That's staying in. Okay. Kevin McAllister, Macaulay Culkin, is back, but this time he's in New York City with enough cash and credit cards to turn the Big Apple into his own playground. But Kevin won't be alone for long. The notorious Wet Bandits, Harry and Marv, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, still smarting from their last encounter with Kevin, are bound for New York too plotting a huge holiday heist. Kevin's ready to welcome them with a battery of booby traps the bubbling bandits will never forget. That's uh, back of the VHS box, 1992, nice. approximately 120 minutes. Incredible. Color, 20th Century Fox. Just, man, you really have a way with yeah. words. Uh, yeah. um, Home Alone 2. I can read 2. the barcode if you want. Uh, <laughs> no special features, apparently. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. We are finally revisiting this franchise, which, let's be honest, should only have two films in it. Uh, after we did Home Alone in season one, so it's been that long since then, uh, just in time for Christmas and the holidays coming up. And, you know, I don't feel like, Warren, I don't feel like we could do it justice, just ourselves. So let's bring back good friend of the pod, Brandon Goins, to come in and uh, and talk about this movie with us. Welcome back, Brandon. Hey, what's going on, guys? You know how you know you're my favorite guest, Brandon? Oh, stop. No, it's because we brought you on to do Star Wars. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, you haven't been on since earlier no, this season for, yeah. for Return of the Jedi. Should have known. Anyone that I can trust to do Star Wars justice, we had you last season for the double feature of Batman and Superman. So, yeah, it's 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 good to also have you back. Also did justice. Yeah, you've helped yeah. us uh, wrap up some tough movies. Nerd stuff is, is my sweet spot. Is, I love it. But this is also... Uh, this movie holds a near and dear uh, place in my heart. So thank you guys for having me. Yeah. So would you say, because you know, a lot of times we talk to guests, like, okay, here's the films we're doing, or do you have any that you want to do? Uh, do? Do you like this movie more than the first one? Or are they kind of equal for you? Where, where do you kind of rank the two? I do love this one more than the first one. And really? Yeah. Wow. And- okay. I think this is one of those rare sequels that was somehow able to build upon everything that they had done right in the first one uh-huh. and just elevate it to the second one. Like, okay. you would think that the, you know, the gags towards the end, you know, with the the sticky bandits. Uh, They're a little over the play, top, some of them, yeah. Well, well you feel like they would kind of play like, you know, like, all right, we've seen this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but they like the, 
the paint can gag. Yeah. Smart enough to even like be like, okay, they wouldn't fall for the same thing every time. So they even like had the foresight to say, all right, same gag and add one. Yeah. So they're, they're, these guys are idiots, but they're not so much idiots where we can do the exact same thing and have it work. You know, they know that Kevin knows that and the viewer knows that. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, but the writing was also very smart. Like they, they made sure to have everything have a point. Hmm. Okay. Mm. So yeah. um, I guess it would go without saying then that you've probably seen this one more than you've seen the first one, given that you hold it in a little higher ranking. I think so, but are, are we going to have this debate now? Which Home Alone's better? Are we are we doing it right off the top, uh, right of the off podcast? the bat? I, cool, because I thought it intriguing that he wanted to come along for a sequel. I was going to save it, man. Um, no, no. I, I think we got that. Yeah. We got to get that right out of the way first. Him, uh, the love for the first one over the I, second. Okay, one. here. Okay, okay, okay. Here's how I would put it for me personally. It's kind of how I feel about the Back to the Future movies. When I was a kid, Back to the Future Two was fucking awesome, and it was the best one. Now I go back and watch them now. Clearly, Back to the Future, the first one, is far superior. It's a, it's a better movie. It's yeah. a perfect movie. It It's great. And uh, I love the two and three, but they're not part one. I, I, I think it's the same thing with Home Alone. I, as a kid, Home Alone 2 was way better. Uh, uh, I love New York City as a kid. I wanted to go there, so I, they already had me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was bigger, bigger budget. All the same actors were back. And they executed it at a really high level. I mean, it's one of those sequels where they replayed the the hits of the original but they did it so fucking good the movie's still good and i still think that now i still think the execution's so great it's still a good movie i just think home alone the first one the og it's better um that's 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 how i feel about so i've actually got an interesting thing so i give you an idea of how they retread the uh original film okay a few ideas here uh kevin again gets in trouble with his family Kevin being sent to the third floor room for the night. The family sleeping in. Kevin eating a cheese pizza. Kevin uh, watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Kevin tricking other people. In this case, the hotel staff that the mafia boss and Filthy Angels is talking to them directly. Kevin misunderstanding a creepy looking adult. In this case, the bird woman uh, has an evil pigeon lady. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Kevin again famously setting traps for Harry and Marv and the movie ending with Kevin about to be in trouble again, in this case, ringing up a massive hotel bill. In fact, John Hughes and Christopher Columbus admitted that this movie was really more of a remake of the previous movie, despite being released only two years after the first one. It really was. It was a kind of package as a sequel, but it is a remake of the original in a different setting. I mean, the characters are the same. The story beats are the same. Uh they figured out what made home alone work and they literally did the same stuff here. Well, I, I would say the only uh, difference from that is instead of having Kevin protect his home, he is choosing to do a good deed. Like he could have walked away and not interrupted Harry and Marv, but it was him wanting to do something good. So, um, yeah. and in a film where they retread the original and it's not good hangover Two. that's your perfect example of like the bottom of the when bottom. they just redo the same thing and it just sucks. Yeah. I would also um, put the dark Knight up there. Batman begins was so perfect. Dark Knight was just a, terrible step down blasphemous I'm gonna <laughs> Just right now. uh bastard no you know christopher columbus actually said he can he considers the second film better okay well let's stop uh, maybe i'm gonna stop you right there let's go back up a little bit and say okay how, how did the movie get made who made it? i know it's a sequel coming off the wild success of the original but let, let's begin there 
Yeah, uh, written by John Hughes, uh, produced by John Hughes, directed by Chris Columbus, and distributed by 20th Century Fox. Okay, so I, I found it interesting that John Hughes also wrote and produced Home Alone 3. Brandon, did you ever watch that one? I tried once. I don't think <laughs> I tried, I tried. the entire Yeah, thing. It was so dumb. Like, yeah. It, yeah, that's there, crazy. There, 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 were three, moment. were I, there three guys? I think... Um, I th- there were three. There were at least three. Yes, it was yeah, two guys. I felt like it was like yeah. the the three Stooges trying to break into a home, and the kid wasn't as good. I don't know. Like it just everything. No, it's hard, hard, man. Come on, dude. How are you gonna match Colkin, dude? And yeah. his prom. Get the fuck out of here. Well, Chris uh, Columbus. He direct. He direct. Well, whereas Chris Columbus did direct the first one. The the third one was that even though. Hughes was involved. Columbus did not direct the third one. Uh, that was directed by Raja Gosnell, who is actually the editor on the first two films. So that one is where it's starting to go off the rails. You kept some of the original, but I, Home Alone 2 did a rare thing of, like you said, Brandon, it's almost elevated, even though it's a remake, it elevate, took it to a higher level. It, it, it delivered it on a bigger stage, New York city uh, to do that. So it, it, they they flew close to the sun with this one because uh, you can see a typical sequel would have been Home Alone three. It would have gone like let's do what we did again, maybe a different family, and would have been terrible. I do have to preface: I did move to New York uh, shortly after leaving because of Home Alone two. <laughs> maybe maybe okay. <laughs> uh, it didn't hurt, and uh, so I am partial to it because. Once I moved to New York and I fell in love with living there, it's now like something that is is so meaningful to me because I'm like, oh yeah, and I was like I've been to the Plaza, I've been to yeah, I was gonna ask I've that, been to that had... part, I've been to, I've been to every part of Central Park that you know they're in. Have you just gone to the lobby of the Plaza Hotel, or did you actually stay there? No, <laughs> I just I just went to the lobby. I'm not one of those uh, guests of uh, Ding Dong, for instance. Uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, when I was in New York, I walked to the plaza too. It's it's uh, very close to Central Park. I mean, it's like right before Central Park starts, uh, right there. So I just walk right to it. So like, holy shit, the Home yeah. Alone Two Hotel. <laughs> so uh, I mean, this film is really the let's face it, the result. Uh, you know, we always talk about the con- the conception or the idea of this movie. It was a replay of the original. It came from the massive success of the first one, and literally Fox signed John Hughes to a six picture deal just to get which included the home alone sequel in there so you could you can imagine that with all the money the first home alone made i mean they really they signed the six picture deal just to get the home alone too let's put that into perspective so the first film came out in 1990 two years prior to this one that was made on a budget of 18 million and earned over 476 million worldwide so that's pushed this a bidding war between 20th century fox and columbia to lock down Hughes. Uh, now you talked about it was a six picture deal, Warren, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. So I tried to look at, I was like, what were those six films that were covered in that deal? So Home Alone 2, yes, it was one. Baby's Day Out, the remake of Miracle on 34th Street, and then Home Alone 3. Those were the only four that I could yeah, find. Yeah, that's what happens on those picture deals. Sometimes they yeah. don't do all the movies. And then he started doing a bunch for Buena Vista with you know, Disney. So and They probably bought him out of the deal. Yeah. They didn't want to make the other two movies. Wow. One, it just shows you what one huge hit could do for your career. Like, yeah. I mean, John Hughes had a lot of hits, but I'm just saying uh, that, yeah. that, that, that deal was <laughs> off the success of Home Alone. I think it was doing okay. 
Yeah, Ferris no, Bueller, would, Uncle Bob. You know, he's a legend, but I'm just saying that six-picture deal. Dude, Hollywood doesn't care what you did 10 years ago. That six-picture deal was off the success of, of home the, alone. the first yeah. Home Alone. And that, that's crazy. Which is crazy. Um, we just did a John Hughes movie two films ago with Blaine Strange and Automobiles. So we're doing... Two two out yeah. of the last three films. You, you know, you know how you know how fickle the studios are, yeah. uh, Brandon. They they two three years they give up on people, or they used to anyway. They're notoriously ruthless with with actors and stars. Production uh, started shooting uh, December 9th, nineteen ninety one, and they wrapped May sixth, nineteen ninety two. One hundred and forty nine days of shooting. So that is a major studio motion picture. When wow. you're doing one hundred and forty something days of uh, principal photography, uh, you got money. Uh, shot on location in Illinois and, uh, and New York. Uh, and, of course, the Donald Trump owned the Plaza Hotel at the time, and he famously allowed them to film there in exchange for a uh, cameo uh, in the film. Yeah, I was wondering. And he turns and stares into the camera like a fucking idiot. And and, and, and not only that, it's kind of creepy. It's like, okay, is he staring at the kid? You know, I don't know. It's, it's Yeah, weird. It's so weird. I read an interview with Rob not Schneider. A great actor. I read an interview with Rob Schneider uh, that said that he took him. They did that twi- that take like ten or twelve times, like for him to actually get that, and then still looked at the camera. So <laughs> I think it's probably well, he did that to get his to. face on there as much yes. as possible. It's yes. actually kind of a good move. Uh, no, yeah. it's uh... Uh, now Brandon. I, I want I, I want to go back to wh- why you love the film. And I know New York and blah blah blah. I, I think I know the real reason why you love the movie so much, and it's. Part of the reason why I liked it a lot as a kid, it's it's the Talkboy, the Talkboy cassette recorder that was in there. Like I, I love talking about the gadgets <laughs> of certain films, but like Kevin's Talkboy was like that thing. Come on, as a kid, everybody wanted that. That was like that. That made the movie. Like that prop that they created for the film. Yeah, it necessitated the entire plot of the movie. I mean, he. Him having that and being able to use his like change his voice allowed him to make the hotel uh, reservations and whatnot, but also allowed them to set up how he got his dad's bag, which got him the the credit card and the money and all that stuff uh, justifiable. And uh, yeah, it's a it's an amazing uh, device. Did you ever have a talk boy? Uh no, I was not. Oh. Uh, I was not rich. I felt. Did feel we got one, didn't we? No, we didn't. So, the, the, like I said, this was a prop created for. I feel like the, we had one. This is a prop created for the movie, uh, but they, then it became a real product. Cor- correct. I wonder how many times that's happened, where something was created for a film and then made into a product. Oh, golly! There were kids at school that would lie and say that sons yeah. of bitches. Yeah. I believe them. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. When like, how often does that happen? How often like, does that happen? Uh, you know, where movie stuff is made for a movie and it's so popular, it, it read, you know, uh, hits with the, the lexicon and the zeitgeist that it, they, they make it into a real product. Oh, yeah, and it became a top selling holiday toy for the next oh, no, few no. years. Yeah. If you're if you want to talk about a top selling movie that I uh, that were great. I don't know why. Outside of the the talk boy, I would have loved to have had the uh, an E. F. Duncan portrait from uh, <laughs> the E. F. Duncan chest. portrait. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff from there I would, I would want. It was just very calming. It just felt like you know, if you would put that over the mantle, 
Santa's always going to come to your house. <laughs> there you go. You, because, the, the yeah, I, I, you know, I know, I know we don't. Only, get, yeah, only know boys we, and girls live here. <laughs> well, I know we don't nitpick the movie, but you're talking about Duncan's toy chest. It just made me realize, like, they hide in the dollhouses or whatever until everyone leaves. Dude, kids play in those. Security would be checking to make sure kids weren't hiding in there before they closed the store or kids weren't, like, sleeping. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. wouldn't just n- not check. I don't know. It's uh, I'm just kind of thinking about that. They'd have a hard time, whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, so... In the production of the film, they spent a fortune on uh, a small fortune on, on fake snow, and then when they got to New York, there was a blizzard. So, <laughs> that's um, great. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, you, you, that's a typical movie making thing, right, Brandon? You know, you like spend money on something, you think it's going to be an issue, and and it's just just a non factor. Uh, you're worried about nothing. Uh, O'Hara, Chicago airport. Uh, they kept the decor in the airport until February 92, the Christmas decor. They kept it up in the airport for two months after Christmas because Home Alone was going to shoot there, Home Alone 2. So they left it up for them to, to shoot. And it was a lot harder to shoot in the airport this time due to the fame of the first film, particularly Macaulay Culkin being so famous. Oh, wow. And uh, Duncan's toy chest was based on F.A.O. Schwartz toy store in yeah. uh, Manhattan. Oh, of course. Yeah. Very famous toy store. Uh, famous from Big. Yeah, that's probably where it first put it on the map. Yeah, uh, music of the film quickly. Uh, not a lot to say here. John Williams returned to compose, did write a new song, "Christmas Star," which is the song that it's actually a, has the lyrics of vocal performance. Oh, in he it. wrote one new song, and then he just used all the classic ones he had <laughs> in the first movie. Yeah, but which they're all great. Why would uh, you change it? A lot of it is like yeah, retread. Uh, but yeah. that's the song that plays when Kevin's walk around New York before deciding to stop Harry and Marv from from robbing Duncan's toy chest. So, um, oh, Williams is great. Oh, yeah. I mean, that goes without saying, but uh, it's it's a very catchy theme score all around. So there's no no mm-hmm. surprise. Yeah, he did not do any of the other Home Alones after this one. He did not come back for Home Alone three. And I think memorable music and that that makes a difference. Not having Williams at the helm for that. So. Could they? Did they not have license to at least? I just would have reused his music. I don't know. It's good. I, I've never watched the third film. So. I just you can't make a Home Alone movie without the John Williams music. It, yeah. It's not even Home Alone to me. Now there's six of the movies, or there's four of the movies, six total. I have, none of them use the John Williams score. I at don't all. know. You're. I don't think so. They had different composers that I looked what at. The so they might have no used the theme, but I don't know. No, it has. You have to have like a little piano throughout the movie in quiet moments. Is it like a consistency in the excellence of the score? And move on to the stars of the picture. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, Tim Curry, Catherine O'Hara, and Brenda Frickler. Um, so I normally I would cover what ifs here. I was turning to the original cast. They got everybody to come back. I mean, so yeah, but, there's not but, really any you know, what, ifs. what ifs to cast. So, Maybe the pigeon lady and uh, Mr. Yeah, Duncan. Okay, what about Mount Rushmore? So... Who are you putting on as far as the characters? Okay, that- okay, okay, okay. I got it. Okay. Yes for Culkin and Stern. And then pretty much no for everybody else. I'm saying no to Pesci, no to Tim Curry, no to O'Hara, and no to John Hurd. They well, all were in so many things. I- I'm saying yes to all of those. Yes to Culkin, Pesci, Stern, Hurd, and O'Hara. If you say yes to Pesci, you – wow, dude. You do – I can't uh, believe I co-host this podcast with you. You talk about I'm not talking about oh just you warning the movies you watch, but think about pop culture mainstream. If you're only okay, if you're only having you're only having the character represented once on Mount Rushmore, it's gonna be Home Alone One, not two. Uh, so that that that's where we did that's where we differ. Okay. For a character that inhabits the same character 
that is the Mount Rushmore. The face on Mount Rushmore is that character. It's not the character from one movie. You don't put Luke Skywalker on there for Empire Strikes whatever or Jedi. You put his character on there as the character of Luke Skywalker. Him, Mark Hamill portraying Luke Skywalker is on the Mount Rushmore. Okay, so the actor who is known, won an Oscar for Goodfellas, was in Raging Bull, The Irishman, My Cousin Vinny. I mean, dude, countless classics. Are you fucking kidding so, me? No, no this longer. is not in his Mount Rushmore. Okay, so Pesci, Home Alone, uh, Goodfellas, My Cousin Vinny are three locks for his Mount Rushmore. The fourth one could be Raging Bull. It's not the Irish. It could be Casino. Cas- maybe Casino. Moonwalker. Fucking like- Moonwalker. Okay, there you go. Shut up, Brandon. I like how we ignored him the first time. He's like, hang on a second. <laughs> and dude, Tim Curry, man. I mean, uh, no, no, the Muppets Tim, Tim Curry, Treasure no. Island, Clue, Rocky T- Horror T- Picture Tim Curry, show. no. Tim Curry, no. I don't have him on yeah. our Rushmore, no. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, you're killing me, Smalls. And uh, Catherine O'Hara, she's done a lot, man. Yeah, too. I still put uh, it on there for her. Yeah, okay. Yeah, for well, Beetlejuice. Uh, Brandon, okay, right, yeah, but like, she did, But this was like the first thing that like, I'm associating the first movie is their Mount Rushmore. It's their characters. This. It's their characters. But, okay. sorry, Brandon, go ahead. This like she's known as Mrs. McAllister, so she's definitely. Yeah. Oh no, that's on a, the character. I'm just not associating this movie. There's a lot of movies she's been in. But, you know, like Best in Show and like all those. Uh, was that Christopher Guest? Dude, another thing that's on Pesci's Mount Rushmore is Lethal Weapon. Dude, he's so iconic, okay. dude. Like, that I'm sitting here cool. thinking, dude. Like, I still he, think you have as big in the in the zeitgeist he is. Okay. Yeah, dude. All right. Lethal Weapon. Let's just move on. Okay, Brandon, who do you think the biggest benefactor actor, the, big, the actor who's the biggest benefactor uh, from their from their role in this film? That's without saying that Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Macaulay Culkin, dude. He has an entire career from these movies. These movies made him a household name. Like everything else since everybody then, knows who he is. Yeah, like you know, uh, was it My Girl? You know, mm-hmm. he was mm-hmm. Uncle Buck. Was in, well, Uncle Buck was yeah, before. Uncle Buck, uh, I know it was on before, uh, but that kind of put him on the. the, the, the good, I think the Good Son or the Good. Something like that. Like the good was, son with that, he was already a big star, and then he subverted expectations with the good, the good son with Elijah Wood. Yeah, but everything else after this never, never tracked. Like as far as any, like any level of Home Alone status, he obviously everyone else had a whole career uh, already, but he has yeah. a career because of these movies. That yeah, that no, launched sure. him into superstar. I'm sure. And, and, and you know, it's funny. He retired from acting in 1994. Like Richie Rich just was too much. I think he burned out. But John Hughes was writing Home Alone three with a teenage Kevin. And then when he found out Macaulay Culkin retired, he had to rewrite the script. So he was planning on Culkin to come back. And it would have been great. If Culkin wouldn't retire. We would have gotten a Home Alone three with Culkin. It'd be nice to get the trilogy. You know, because uh, if Culkin would have been back, you felt like a lot of the original cast would have would have would have anted up again. Um, I, I feel that way. Uh, but this movie cemented him as the biggest child star ever. Uh, you, you know, Home Alone is his most important film, but Home Alone 2, in terms of his stardom, dude, after this movie, he was levitating. as uh, He was at heights no child actor had really been in the modern age. So you would say for actors 
or actor at their peak, it would be Culkin as well. Well, no, that's the biggest benefactor. Actor at their peak, it's two. I'd say Culkin because he peaked as a child. No, that's star. what I'm saying. You, they would, those yeah, two yeah, would yeah, kind of yeah, share. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Pesci for sure. Pesci had four oh. movies this year. My Cousin Vinny, Lethal Weapon 3, and Home Alone. Dude, that's a oh, fucking And the year before, game. or two years before, he had uh, Goodfellas. Yeah, Goodfellas, and he won an Oscar. So, yeah, yeah, yeah the guy yeah, crushing it. Yeah, Pesci Culkin at their peak. What do you think, Brandon? I would argue that uh, uh, Daniel Stern was so good in this movie. Ooh. And, oh, and yeah. It just showed Daniel us Stern. that, like, and he had done other things i mean i love the city slickers movies that he was in it was like, great in city slickers he man did, he's so like, good he was the dad and little monsters he he was like the weird picture aside you know henry Rowan gardner and, rookie uh, of the year yeah rookie of the year uh he's done stuff but like this i felt like this was his one of his peaks and I, after re-watching it I cannot imagine why he has not done more because he was so funny. Like he is, he steals every bit of the comedic, you know, moments in this movie. And I do not understand why he's not like a bigger star at Will Ferrell level. Yeah. Like, because that's how, like his comedic timing, his like, amount of like physicality that he's willing mm-hmm. to go towards like and he goes he goes so far it's like right there on the cusp of being too far without yeah going over i feel like this was one daniel stern this is like peak daniel stern and i feel like i'm sad yeah that's a good argument it's good yeah uh all right warren um it probably goes without saying who you're gonna pick, but who's who's your MVP? All right, man, you gotta go, Culkin. What the fuck, yeah, man? Uh, it's uh, he carries the movie. I mean, it's an iconic character, and I mean, it's his star charm and, and and talent just carrying the film. Man, he's an incredible prodigy. I, I, I even watching him, I just can't believe, dude, how many kids at that age can do what he's doing. It's just unbelievable. I mean, there's adults that can't act that well, let alone kids. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's doing. Uh, Brandon just made a great case for Daniel Stern. Would that would you, is Daniel Stern your MVP, or would you go Culkin, Brandon? I go, yeah. I, I just talked myself into it. You know, it, it's a perfect performance. I just don't think at the end of the day he carries the ball enough to get the MVP trophy. I just at the end of the day, Culkin's usage rate's too high. You gotta be the one that just like explores, you know, in the key moments. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Colton right. was paid four point five million. He earned every penny. And five percent of the box office takes, I think, too. Speaking of which, stats and accolades of Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. Warren, little props on the segue. I thought that was no. Yeah, that, that was very nice. Okay, thank uh, you. Very, I was impressed. I wasn't even gonna say anything. Yeah. Well. I, I get the praise. Talking. Now you fucked up your. I fucked it up. Fucked okay. up your segue. I, giving damn. yourself praise for a great segue. It's like it's like a football moron. player that that drops is running into a touchdown. They <laughs> drop it right at the goal line. Go celebrate too early. All right. Release date November twentieth, nineteen ninety two. This is the fourth film from ninety two that we've done on the pod. We did uh-huh. a, we did Aladdin and League of Their Own in season two. We did Reservoir Dogs earlier this season, and then now there we go too. Uh, budget a little bit higher. Again, we said the budget of the first one was $18 million. 
This one budget $28 million, so obviously go to New York, there's a bigger budget. Uh, box office opening weekend, $31.1 million. Uh. Number one for three straight weeks, and it was in the top five for seven straight weeks. I think it actually got off to a hotter start than Home Alone, uh, but then simmered simmered off a little bit. Uh, domestically, uh, to date, it has made $173.5 million. Worldwide, again, the first one made $476 million. Worldwide, the second one, the sequel, a little bit of a drop-off, $358.9 million. But it had a bigger opening, but ultimately had a smaller take. Yeah, right. So if you convert that to today's dollars, it's, that's a $787 million worldwide take. So, I mean, three-quarters of a billion dollars for this. I mean, so it's, wow. still, it's still a mega, mega hit, even though not sure. quite as big as the first one. Yeah. Box office rank for the year was uh, it was rank number three. Uh, tagline for the film and marketing helped sell the film. It was on the one sheet. He's up past his bedtime in the city that never sleeps. So lame. It's so it doesn't lame. have it. It's not even specific to the film. It is a clever thing, but it doesn't. I don't know. And you coming off the tagline, I have to feel got to drop the trailer here. It's narrated by the iconic movie trailer voice, Don LaFontaine. In a let's, world, let's, let's like give it a rip. Where a boy gets lost in New York. All right, let's hear him do it. He, okay. he does a lot better than you do. Of all the familiar sounds of Christmas, surely this one is the most beloved. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. My family's in Florida and I'm in New York. Funnily enough, we never lose our luggage. <laughs> Once again, the family that loves staying together. Can I help you? Reservation from McAllister? Couldn't be further apart. He's a New Yorker. New Yorker? This is a vacation. Only two things could ruin this vacation. And they just hit town. Hiya, pal. Yeah, you got to love the trailer, man. Fucking classic. They don't make them like they used to. And that was like how they do the trailers where they didn't give everything away like they do now. You know, it's like you, 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 you get you interested and then they, you know, they want to make you come uh, buy a ticket. Now, it's just they, they put all the best shots so in the movie. In the how, how old do you think it makes you sound when in every episode you find a way to plug in? Yeah, they don't make them like they used to. Hey, man, listen, dude. I love <laughs> 70s movies, and all those were before my time. I love old movies. Okay. Old movies are, they're, they're sorry, man. I, I love the oldies. I also like that you're like, oh, they didn't give away the end of Home Alone 2. Like, no one knew how it was going to end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. the same way. Yeah. Like, and spoiler yeah, like, alert. <laughs> 30 some years later. Kevin at the end of <laughs> hey, subvert yeah. expectations. Maybe exactly. they should. Maybe they should. Uh, wouldn't be rated PG, which this film is. Uh, nobody count, no F bombs. Sorry to disappoint. Oh, too bad. Uh, home media, VHS, and Laserdisc released in 93. DVD came out in 1999. And then we finally got the Blu ray treatment in 2010. Yeah, for the uh, 20 or for the. 20th anniversary. No, they did of- like a, they did like a five film collection in 2015, but oh. I'm not mentioning that because those other films are ass. Well, I thought uh, it would have been 1990 to 20 to be the 20th anniversary of the first film. They may have done it for too. So. Yeah, no, probably. I guess 90. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, scores of the film: Rotten Tomatoes, 35 percent. 
Wow. Okay. Cinema score A minus. So critics and audiences really split there. Thirty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, Thirty five. I said that correct. That's a F. And a met, Rotten Tomato man and a meta score of forty six. So uh, critics, what weren't a fan of this film? Uh, they criticized that for the formula was just unoriginal. Uh, the criticism was just. Uh, uh, you know, returning cast, uh, uh, but uh, uh, it was just a rehash. I mean, it was and it was an inferior rehash to the original. A lot of critics felt that way, but to its credit, and we talked about it earlier, the execution is inspired and and it's done at a very high level. And I think that's what makes this a good movie. Uh, it, it's it's to to be I, fair, I still think the first one's better, but I, I I love this movie. To be fair, the critics only have the first one at sixty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so not exactly a stellar oh, well, score. Em. Yeah. Yeah, fuck them. Uh, but Ebert gave this two out of four stars, the, the Zen Master, uh, citing issues with violence, not cartoonish. Uh, he does have a point. How the fuck did they not get killed? I mean, there is some really fucked up shit he does in this movie. The, the first one was like, you, you weren't asking those questions with some of these. They're falling like a three story building. And Dude, I mean, they got oh, yeah, broken yeah. bones. They're fucked up. Like they, bricks in the head. It's just. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit. Uh, he's got a point there. I'm sorry. But in that part of the film, you still have fun with it. But it, I think they're going more for shock. Factor it's cartoonish. Anything. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's it doesn't. I don't know. It's yeah, but, I mean, this, the film as a whole, like, you know, you have to suspend belief uh, for a lot of things i mean mccullough calkin would have never made it out of whatever what? airport he's supposed come to be. on man there's no way a kid would have been able to do yeah. everything right <laughs> i think he's yeah yeah well with an iphone you could argue they'd be able to do that more today than ever uh you know although i mean i don't know a lot of uber drivers that are gonna drive a kid i'm sure taxis are the same way he'd have a hard time even getting a car uh good point brandon probably he's just going to be stuck at the fucking airport in fact if that happened the kid would just stay at the airport until his parents found him uh or he called him or whatever um and in this case to the cell phone i mean this movie's over in 25 minutes i it still blows me away how they're able to cook up sequels even now i mean there's a movie that came out a year ago uh, awards of the film three wins and three nominations uh aca american comedy awards bmi Kids' Choice Awards, People Choice Awards, Young Artist, uh, you know, scattered across the board, but uh, nothing notable. Uh, Stern said on Letterman, Daniel Stern said on David Letterman that uh, the Home Alone 2 should have been nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> and, uh, David Letterman kind of made fun of him hey, and hey. disagreed with him on the air. And uh, Daniel Stern never spoke with Letterman again. They never spoke. So wow. That was, yeah, that was like a. The Daniel Stern was the. That's legend in Hollywood. It could be apocryphal, but uh, they never spoke after. They was shit. never on the show again. Um, took offense. Okay. Well, uh, music of uh, 1992. Uh, we have Grammy Record of the Year, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton. And then the number one song that week was How Do You Talk to an Angel by The Heights. Can't, not really too, too familiar with that yeah one. no no and i'm kind of glad we don't play the songs anymore uh movies of 1992 oh that's that's a, yes okay yeah. thank you brandon oh, wow. I, I do remember that song now i just that the, the band yeah, the heights i didn't recognize that nice pull movies of night uh thank you brandon thank you he's just that. gonna sing for the rest of the podcast yeah, and i'm uh, here for it i'm here for movies it. of the year uh top of the box office aladdin 
Number two, Batman Returns. Number uh, three was this film. Number four, Lethal Weapon. Number five, A Few Good Men. So that's rounding out your top five at the box office for the year. And some honorable mentions. Three Ninjas, Sister yeah. Act, yes. Wayne's World, Mighty Ducks, Basic Instinct, <sighs> Under Siege, Patriot Games, and The Bodyguard. So, wow. uh, man, some uh, solid, solid, solid films. Uh, Oscar winner for Best Picture, Unforgiven. It won four Oscars. Uh Picture, director, supporting actor, and best editing. And the Razzie winner for Worst Picture, Shining Through, starring Michael Douglas and Melody Griffith. Great. The average movie ticket price in uh, 1992 was $4.15. Adjusted for inflation, that's $7.36. And World Events of the Year, the 25th Olympic Games were held in Barcelona, featuring the 92 Dream Team. Jay Leno debuted on The Tonight Show. NHL players went on strike for the first time in 75 years for 10 days. John Gotti and Jeffrey Dahmer and Mike Tyson all, all were sentenced to prison. And Pablo Escobar escaped prison. So a lot of criminal activity by some famous people that year. Wow. Uh, Cartoon Network debuted. McDonald's opened its first location in China. 100,000 mobile phones were sold. And Bill Clinton was elected the 42nd president of the United States. Okay, we'll move on to our best scenes and lines from Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Uh, Brandon, you're sure you know the drill by now, but what we'll do is we'll have our runner-up and winner, so second and first place for scene, uh, and then also for line, and with scattered in there as well, we will do a couple honorable mentions uh, of ones that didn't quite make our favorites. Uh, let's start, Brandon, though, if you can kick us off with your runner up. So you know, second place for your best scene in the film. All right. Uh, went back and forth, back and forth on, on three different scenes. They are all like hold a solid place in my heart. Very different reasons. Um, I think my runner up best scene um has to be the uh, scene with Kevin and quote unquote pigeon lady in uh, <laughs> the in uh, the Carnegie Hall loft. I wasn't always like this, you know. Oh, what were you like before? I had a job. I had a home. I had a family. Did you have any kids? No. Oh, I wanted them. But the man I loved fell out of love with me. That broke my heart. And whenever the chance to be loved came along again, I ran away from it. I stopped trusting people. No offense, but that seems like sort of a dumb thing to do. I was afraid of getting my heart broken again. You see, sometimes you can trust a person, and then when things are down, they forget about you. Maybe they're just too busy. Maybe they don't forget about you, but they forget to remember you. I don't think people mean to forget. I think it just happens. My grandfather says, my head wasn't screwed on, I'd leave it on the school bus. I'm just afraid if I do trust someone, I'll get my heart broken again. I understand that. I used to have this really nice pair of rollerblades. I was afraid if I wore them, I wrecked them. So I kept them in a box. And do you know what happened? No. Oh. I outgrew them. I never wore them once outside. I just wore them in my room a couple times. I 
person's heart and a person's feelings are very different than skates. Well, they're kind of the same thing. If you aren't going to use your heart, then what's the difference if it gets broken? If you just keep it to yourself, maybe it'll be like my rollerblades. When you do decide to try it, it won't be any good. You should take a chance. Got nothing to lose. But a truth in there somewhere. I think so. Your heart might still be broken, but it isn't gone. If it was gone, you wouldn't be this nice. Thank you. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. I just felt like uh, there was so much heart uh, and, you know, for a little kid, what is he supposed to be, 11? Uh, very insightful. Like, it felt like, I was like, is, is this... Is this one of the greater philosophical debates in cinema history? <laughs> yeah. With his example of like, well, if you're not gonna, he didn't want to use his rollerblades, and then he outgrew them. He's like, so if you're not gonna use your heart, well, what's the use of uh, you know, having it? Yeah, mm. I'll tell you, my only issue with that scene is that in the first one, that you know, it mirrors his conversations with the, the old man that shovels the the salt on the side on the ice. And, and he talks about when they talk in the church, he talks about his son. They don't talk and like resolving a conflict with a loved one and, you know, moving on past that. And at the end of the film, you get to see that resolution. Well, you don't get that with the pigeon lady. He talks to her, mm-hmm. but she doesn't change any, nothing changes. Like, is she really the better for it? If she continues to live in the park with a bunch of pigeons? I mean, I don't know. So yeah, just not being able to see any type of resolution mm. on that. Uh, but I like the scene itself, though. So good choice. Uh, okay, Warren, runner-up for you, best scene. Uh, my runner-up, man. Look, I love New York. I've always, I love it every time I go there. But as a kid, I hadn't been yet, so I kind of live vicariously through Kevin. And it's still my favorite now. It's when Kevin gets to New York. It's the montage of Kevin seeing the sights of New Mm. York. Uh, I I love New York, and and clearly Kevin does too. And and I love that scene. Okay, that's it is good scene. Yeah, he yeah he gives special pause to the big sights there. I like that. That's good. Uh, That had that as an honorable mention. So I did. I I appreciate that. It's like anybody who's been on top of the Empire State Building, you know, you you know, you've done the New York thing. You can appreciate that. I think he was on top of the World Trade Trade Center. Yeah. Yeah. And they took that out of the TV version for a long time and then put it back in. Hmm. Interesting. Did not know that. It was not 11. Yeah. Yeah, Makes sense. Um, Okay. So my runner up for best scene is um, when Kevin is in the hotel and he's, getting busted for the stolen credit card. They chase him back up to his room and he, as again, they see this, all this in the first movie. Seriously, uh, he, you're going here. <laughs> he uses the angels with even filthier souls scene to trick the hotel staff, arguably done uh. much, much better in this film than it was in the first one. Hold it right there. This is the concierge, sir. I knew it was you. I could smell you getting off the elevator. You was here last night, too, wasn't you? Yes, sir. I was. You was here, and you were smooching with my brother. I'm afraid you're mistaken, sir. Don't give me that. You've been smooching with everybody. Snuffy, Al, Leo, 
Little Moe with the gimpy leg. Cheeks, bony bob, Cliff. <gasps> no. It's a lie. I could go on forever, baby. Well, I don't know, man. See, uh, my argument would be I think it's done. He uses it, uh, what, twice, right? In this film? Uh, no, he, he watches it. He only uses it once to trick the staff. Okay, so the the one... Okay, but he uses two tricks. And my point being is the one I think is much more effective, much more believable, is when he uses Uncle Frank's recording uh, when he's doing the, the the clown in the shower. And he makes him think he came in on his dad. Yeah, I think that's much more believable. I, I don't buy that all six of them are buying that. I think somebody is sniffing bullshit with that many people and they're just walking in, particularly when he's supposed to be shooting. There's no nothing flying. Which, well, let's, let's, let's back up. Gun. Let's back up a second. Okay. Is it any more believable than him being able to run in the room real quick and get an inflatable clown set up in that shower scene, all situated and ready I to go? It. I bought it. Hook, That's line, and sinker. What wh- 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 no, should I you think? that? It w- did he foresee that this was a possibility that somebody could run in and then he blew that thing up ahead of time. Cause there's no, yeah. there's no way he did it like in the moment. Yeah. There's no way he could have done it in the moment. And you, you see, didn't see him have the clown. Maybe he had a clown. He ready. ate a lot of cheese pizza. Maybe he had a lot of gas. Okay. <laughs> oh Lord. All right. Uh, by the way, just to say, that was my winner uh, is when the concierge gets put in his oh, place okay. for coming in the hotel room. I think it's much more plausible uh, and I, I, wow. uh, I really love that. And it's a great use of the, of the talk boy. You know, he uses it in a crucial scene. Okay. You get to tie in uncle Frank. I mean, it's, it's fucking great. All right, Brandon, what was your and, winner? And you know what's even better Shut about up. it? I got to say, you're sorry, done. hold on. What's even better? No. You're done. It's Tim Curry's look of embarrassment on his face. How he plays that as an actor. Dude, he is fucking brilliant in every scene him. of this movie. Yeah. Because the embarrassment and like the loss of his dignity. <laughs> it's fucking great. That's good. All right, Brandon, what's your winner for best scene? It's not a great scene. I'm not going to lie, but. Every time I watch this movie, and I watch this movie at least once every Christmas season, probably multiple times every Christmas season. Sure. And every time I do, when I watch this scene, I laugh and laugh and laugh. And it is the scene where Kevin is chucking bricks at him and just like pelting Marv in the face. And every dude, time, he dude, does, that was my winner as well. Yes! I thought that it was the deepest cut, and I thought nobody was going to appreciate that. We had a matchup. I I love that scene. That's my my winner. Boom. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep! Sonny! Yes? Nothing would thrill me more greatly than to shoot you. Knocking off a youngster ain't going to mean all that much to me. Understand? Mm Mm-hmm. But since we're in a hurry, I'll make a deal with you. You throw down your camera, and we won't hurt you. You'll never hear from us again. Okay? 
You promise? I cross my heart and hope to die. Okay. Okay, kid. Give it to me. How many fingers am I holding up, Marv? Eight. Okay, kid. You want to throw bricks? Go ahead, throw another one. If you can't do any better than that, kid, you're gonna lose. Marv, get up. You don't have any more bricks. He's out of them. Um, what? <laughs> what? Let me back That did it. Nobody throws bricks at me and gets away with it. Come on, Marv, get up. You go this way, I'm going around the back. It's so funny. It it holds up is so funny every single time. Uh, you, you're right. It absolutely does. I watch it and I, and I would say that I've appreciated that scene more as I've watched the film and appreciated Daniel Stern more. And we've gotten him a lot. We've given him a lot of love and credit that he's been due for his portrayal of Marv in this film. But that scene is one of the best. Just the brick after brick. It's just like <laughs> you cringe, you feel for him, but at the same time you're laughing. It's it's yeah. great. He is great. I also um, love that Joe Pesci just saying there, just like, oh, come on, throw another brick. He's yeah. like, yeah, behind him, like, no, 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 no. He's great. He's out of bricks, It's fine. Yeah. Uh, okay, a couple honorable mentions for me. One is the classic Kevin setting the traps montage. I think rolling out the battle plans and him doing that. Uh, I appreciate a good montage, seeing Kevin go through the planning phase of that. I always loved that as a kid. I love it seeing it now. It's be- that one is better in the first movie, but it's still good in this one. Uh, and then the only other honorable mention I had was, um, and Warren, you talked about the use of the talk boy with the shower scene. The The better use of it that I appreciated more is when he uses the talk boy to book the hotel room. Because as a kid, I was like, Holy shit! Yeah. That is yeah. genius. That, that, that's my t- that's one of my oh, top boy. honorable mentions. Holy shit! It worked or Credit whatever. Card, you got it. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. fucking love that. Oh no 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 no. My my honorable mention would be uh, when he's checking into the hotel at the desk. Oh no! I'm talking I, about when he uses it on the phone yeah, call. The talk like, boy. He no, that's impressive. It. I do. No, that, I probably should have had that instead. But I the fact that he's able to pull it off in person is 
yeah. pretty impressive. That, uh, but my top honorable mention, it was almost my winner. It's when Marv smiles for camera, dude. Uh, that, oh. uh, my God, that fucking <laughs> moment. I watched it last night, and I fell off the couch, man, I'm laughing so hard. I had to Stern, rewind it. Man. Dude, he is so good in this movie. I mean, fuck, Case could be made for the MVP, for sure. Fuck. Barely has the ball, but he's so good. I did. Yeah, 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 Brandon did. Um, Warren, be- Brandon, before we get to yours, Warren, did you have any other honorable mentions? Oh, <laughs> my last one would be when they're at the airport and they have the – it's a really well done. And this is actually a good mix of – is when they find out Kevin's not there and the camera's panning down each relative. Oh, Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Yeah, Kevin's oh, here. yeah, yeah. 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 Hand this to Kevin. Uh, give it to Kevin. And then it, the word comes back. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, we get the classic Catherine O'Hara, Kate McAllister reaction. But she does it so well where she's just kind of laughing and turning her head and then screams and you know, faints yeah. and passes out. Yeah, it's good. she's terrific. All right, Brandon, uh, did you have any – other scenes, honorable mentions you'd like to call out that make the cut? Well, when I say make the cut, I mean that didn't get your runner-up runner up or winner. Um, my top honorable mention was, a, uh, uh, I said, there were three scenes that I went back and forth about, was the whole hotel chase sequence where, starting in the lobby, where he, you know, dives under, you know, Rob Schneider's character's legs, and he's like, stop that child! Uh, he actually and, dives and go- under the, the the lady that was working the receptionist working. He dives under her. Oh, that's legs. right. That's right. Yeah, and then and then Rob Schneider and Tim Curry characters they crash into her. Yeah, and and then ends with them, you know, crawling out of the hotel room, you know, <laughs> in the hallway, like get back into your room. There's a crazy guest with a gun. Yeah, like yeah. everything about that sequence, like, fantastic. And the other thing that just coming from somebody that uh, lived in New York for a while, like I loved the, the night that Kevin's alone in the city, you know, kind of homeless after he's been Mm -hmm. kicked out, you know, been run out of the hotel and he's like walking down the street and he's like, there's a homeless guy is like, like, watch out kid. (laughs) And then there's a couple, there's a couple hookers. They're like, Hey, you want me to tell you a bedtime story? I'm like, what did they want to do? Like, as an eight year old or whatever, it's like they're called ladies of the evening. Okay, ladies of the. You're right. And then he jumps <laughs> in a cab, like it's scary out there. The cab driver's like, it's not much better in here, kid. And then oh, just yeah. stands there and stares at him with his weird eye. I'm like, you didn't have to stop if you didn't want the fare. So why are you? That's true. Like, giving him. Like, think I literally. I know. Yeah, like that yeah. whole sequence. I'm just like, make everything that you would make uh, scary about New York. Like they nailed it. I don't know. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it was much more dangerous back kid. in the early nineties uh, than it is now. Well, it was it was a different New York back then. So yeah. All right. Uh, let's move to best lines then. Uh, Warren, what is your runner up for best line? Uh, it's got to be, it's, well, it's from, I think, your runner-up. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And a happy new year. And, you know, and he, like, mouths it as he's running out the fire escape. Uh, that's, it comes that's back in for the, in, for the happy yeah. new year. Um, yeah, so that is from my runner-up best scene. It is also, that is my winner for best line. What? Yes. So, we were close there. Same. Yeah. That, that was your winner. Dang. Yes. Again? What? Did we just 
just become best friends. Yep. I say that every year. I I made a we did a play where I had to create a T-shirt like with it. And I'm like I'm putting that line on the T-shirt. Perfect. I love that. All right. Uh, well, love it. So man, we batched up on our winners for scene and line, Brandon. Yes. Uh, okay, so Brandon, what's your runner-up then for best line? That was hard. Like so many other great lines, I, I don't. Everything from you know the you know what's the gangster movie like? Angels with even filthier souls. Yeah, angels with even filthier souls. Like every line in that is which is not is a real classic. movie. Which let's let's just get that out. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. In they, they they were these these were films that were a movie within a movie that were shot and created just for home alone. They are not real movies, but also like Marv has like so many great one liners or not even one liners. Their response to Harry's like setups, but I went with, uh, this one line that I don't know after this, this movie, I just couldn't stop saying, because I'm like, it's so dumb, but I, I weirdly love it is Buzz's line, you know, when he's, like, doing the tribunal with the family. The apology, quote-unquote apology. The yeah. moment, and then he looks at Kevin and goes, Beat that, you little trout sniffer. Trout sniffer. Yeah. <laughs> Who says like, that? What is that? What is that <laughs> as a put-down? Like, I'm like, I'm, yeah. it's ridiculous, but I, I don't know why. I love it. So yeah, okay. that's my, like that's that. a good one. That's a good one. All right. My runner up is, um, is when Peter and Kate are going to the police and they are trying to figure out, track down their son, uh, to track down Kevin. Uh, and they're just, you could tell it they're just because it's happened before the horror of it is, it is affecting them, but they're also kind of laughing about it, trying to make it normal. Uh, and they talk about losing him again, but then they say, Funnily enough, we never lose our luggage. <laughs> it's a great comedic moment by John Hurd and, and Catherine O'Hara, the way that they deliver that laugh and then immediately kind of come back to the seriousness of the situation. But I, I appreciate both of those actors in that moment. Um, all right, Warren, what is, what's your winner? then since you didn't match up with us your winner for best line i'm a winner man it's the most iconic uh from from the franchise it's when a uh, catherine o'hara screams oh you are come so on man gotta do it gotta give it its props okay, man. That's okay. iconic. it is it is but okay All right, and her on. delivery man she just it's just like it's so it's literally like jesse from breaking bad bitch it's yeah. it's 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 on that level. Okay, it's like it is iconic. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Um, all right. Uh, did you have any honorable mentions, Warren? Yeah. Uh, when uh, after uh, Buzz says that to uh, Kevin, Brandon, you're, you're and um, they ask Kevin if he has anything to say, and he goes on his rant, and I actually think it's fucking on the money. I mean, and he crushes it. And he ends it by calling uh, Uncle Frank a cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> Which he is. He uh, is. Yeah, uh, clearly, totally yes. yes. Another yeah. um, honorable mention I had is uh, when he finds out he's in New York and he whispers to himself, uh, himself and he says, um, yikes, I did it again. 
and, and you have a great a cameo by Ali Sheedy uh, from Breakfast Club uh, as the fly, uh, as the uh, uh, air, right. airport yeah. uh, uh, desk uh, attendant there. And then my last honorable mention would be the very end of the movie when uh, Kevin's father yells, "Kevin, you spent nine hundred and sixty-seven dollars on room service." And in today's money would be like what it had to be a couple thousand. It's so funny that I looked that up, Warren. In today's money, it's two thousand one hundred twenty-one dollars and fifty-three cents. <sighs> Gee, I'd be pissed. Yeah, quite the. Nice. I'd say well. we probably did. We we easily spent that on food and stuff in Vegas for <laughs> the trip. Phil, easily. Yeah, it's yeah. Like easily on what, on that one meal, yeah. Um, so oh, no, your birthday, yeah, easy birthday. I mean, it was like twenty people. So, uh, all right, uh, Brandon. What honorable mentions did you have for best line? Uh, again, all the uh, the lines from the uh, the unholy whatever angels with even filthy souls. <laughs> angels with unholy even gangsters with rotten brains. I knew it was you. I could smell you getting off the elevator. He's like, yeah. "You was here, you smooching with my brother. You've been smooching with everyone. Get down yeah. your knees <laughs> and tell me you love me." Like all those, yeah. like. I oh, the best one is when he goes, you've been smooching, and he names him, and then he says Lou, and then the name tag, it cuts Cliff. to the name. Cliff. It was Cliff. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, and then the name tag cuts to Cliff. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you see the look on the old guy's face. <laughs> a snow. What's he see? It's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Any others, Brandon? Again, just all of Marv's, like, little responses, you know. Okay. Like, I like it's, that. It's freedom. Like. And it's fish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's fish. It's definitely fish. Uh, oh, yeah, there's a great one from the Angels of Filthy Souls. I forgot. I believe you, but my tummy gun don't. <laughs> so, the whole, so pretty much the whole yeah, movie. Okay, uh, I just had one that you ought to mention, uh, and it is when the McAllister parents, uh, well, the whole family, uh, confronts the staff of the plaza about Kevin. And uh, I think either... Either Peter or Kate says it, uh, but starts off and says, what kind of idiots do you have working here? The finest in New York. <laughs> they say that with such pride. The finest in New York. I love that. Great to see me because I love that McAllister's somehow managed to turn the tables on them for being irresponsible. They're, well, like, they're the ones that lost their kid. Let our son out of your sight. <laughs> and right. the fact that they're not like, are you yeah, shitting irony. us? Yeah. Moving on to Judge Bob's recasting court, where Warren, Brandon, and myself will attempt to recast this iconic film with today's stars. All rise for the Honorable Judge Bob presiding. Gentlemen, you may be seated. You know, I don't even like saying that anymore after you called me out that you guys were never fucking standing. (laughs) And so there's a pause because I'm like, I just don't even want to get into it with you guys. That, but you know it's 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 tradition gentlemen you may continue to be seated there we Recasting go okay. court <laughs> is in session guys uh fun movie fun movie got some characters here that are really fun to recast and some characters that are pretty damn impossible wow. um, low-key very hard to recast very hard low-key yeah low-key yeah well let's now uh, very tough We've already tried this before. We did do the first Home Alone film back in uh, season one. There we go with the fucking analytics. So, okay. Uh, lay, mm-hmm, lay it yeah. on us there, Adam, Sh- uh, Adam Schefter. I, 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 I'll, I'll <laughs> wait in, until we get to... This is pre-judge, so we didn't have any decisions on this uh, one. 
we just we just gave them. So they're they were pretty bad. As as we go through this, I'll I'll list out who we. Uh, <laughs> who it was we fucking five years it. ago. It's like they've aged yeah. out of it at this point. Oh wow. Yeah, oh yeah, that that will come across very very clearly. Was it right. the cast of Stranger Things? Oh, for sure. Uh, there's there, there's one there's there is a Stranger Things cast member in it. Very, very possible. Very possible. <sighs> well, today, tonight, right now, we're going to hear recasting for <laughs> okay. Mr. Duncan, the concierge, Marv, Harry, Kate McAllister, and Kevin. 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 <laughs> Uh, you, you can't. You got to. You know, I don't know anybody named Kevin that I don't just yell their name like that when I see him. Like I've never called them Kev. Like Seventh Kevin, I give him a little bit of that from uh, you know. Uh, okay. Yeah. Like Despicable Me's, but no. He, yeah, you got to yell Kevin all the time. We're gonna jump into this with uh, Brandon, the guest, my man. Welcome back. Right. I cannot wait for you to uh, delight and disappoint us at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> who do you have cast you know my wife <laughs> <laughs> who do you have cast for Mr. Duncan Mr. Duncan ooh uh, uh, I had several let me go back and see which one I actually uh, <laughs> after rewatching uh, the movie Mr. Duncan just emanates like the sweetest man possible loves children uh nicest guy in the world uh so i thought who is the nicest guy in hollywood age appropriate you know i looked up uh who was mr uh the actor he, he was like mid-70s so i went with uh harry winkler wow henry winkler henry and winkler yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah the fonts the fonts the, the fonts yeah wow yeah i love that, that. that's, that's really, good man that's I, a really I, that's really good fuck yeah fuck. Well known as as one of the top people, nicest people yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah, I know that's legendary, and it, and it comes across if you ever. I, see I loved his more. turn in Barry. It was really good. Yeah, that's what got uh, him the long, like, uh, yeah. uh, the long-awaited Emmy. He got his first Emmy on on, uh, oh, okay. on, on Barry. So for Barry, oh, nice. Warren, who do you have cast here? Uh, okay, so yeah, I, I with Brandon on this, the sweetest uh, old man, and he's only in one scene, but he has such an impact. You, you, if you haven't seen the movie in a while, you kind of think he's in the movie more just because he has that mm -hmm. big of an impact in just that one scene he's in. He's that good. Uh, I thought of uh, uh, Hal Hallbrook. I thought it'd be terrific, but unfortunately, he passed away a few years ago. So I, I literally, I thought he would oh, would absolutely crush this part. And then I couldn't think of anybody else uh, really in that ballpark. So I went with Mrs. Duncan, Helen Mirren. Boom. Oh, wow. Bang biscuit. <laughs> Take that curveball. Right. Yeah, that's a curve. That's definitely a curveball there. Wow. Gender bender. Okay. Nice. Yeah. All right. Yep. I know that Bill, was allowed. Yeah. yeah. We've done it before. It's allow with quotations. But uh, yeah, so. We're all on the same page here. You got to cast someone who, who's got a twinkle in their eye. He's just a good person that you can 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 exude that, convey that on film easily. Uh, almost went with Dennis Haysbert. Um, you know, the, what is it? Uh, one of All Allstate um, and the president from t the show Twenty Four. However, I went with someone that there's there's a goofy nature to Mister Duncan a little bit as well. He's just like oh, just kind of a uh, Chuck's just like a sweet, sweet, sweet man. I went with John Lithgow. Uh, as my my Mr. Duncan, 
love him. And he's he's age appropriate as well. He's surprisingly in his seventies, so he would be feel pretty good for this. Well, someone never watched Dexter. No, that, but the, <laughs> I did watch Dexter. You're talking right. about he was the tr- he was the Trinity killer. Whoa, whoa, that, whoa! The, spoiler alert! Jesus, Christ. Oh, one movie. But he he. But he played against type. That was why it was so surprising because you weren't expecting it. That, that that is not the type of role he's normally in. He is normally in like more Mr. of an Henderson. upbeat chipper. Henderson, um, uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Yeah, I was kind of more thinking of that type of that type. I think of Ren would uh, disagree with you. <laughs> so um, are we? we? Won't let him dance. Are, are we like out of Tom Hanks? I mean, what's going on right now? I did. It's <laughs> funny I, you said I, that. Tom was Hanks was on my list as well, but he was. He's in not going to be in a movie for one scene, man. 70s. He's not. He's not doing one scene. He's such a big yeah, name. That's kind of why. Yeah. Mm. He was top of my list too, but I thought he was. I he's thought he was too, too young. It'd be a great cameo, actually. It's not a bad choice. I think it would be amazing. I also had Dustin Hoffman as one of my Hoffman's amazing. Good, yeah. Love that guy. Uh, Warren, way to play it yeah. up to the judge. You know, I'm just in love with Helen Mirren. How could we not? The Dame. I did not know that. Yes. <laughs> but I got to tell you, um, the nicest man alive. Also, one of the best presentation sales pitches of a casting that we have heard in a very long time. Thank you, Bob. I, I appreciate had Helen that. Mirren circled, but I have been swayed. The judge, the court is in session. I am listening to your arguments. Brandon, well done on Henry yeah, Winkler. Fuck. Good job, Great man. Great presentation. Thanks for being so nice, Henry. I mean, Great. you should just kind of go he with the he obvious choice for justice for you to it's be swayed over. by Drop some it. Drop it, let it go. suggestion or recommendation is a uh, fallacy, Your Honor. I object. <laughs> I had Helen Mirren circle. I'm sorry. I, I, I love God her. God damn it. Love her. But uh, well done. Brandon, keep it rolling. Who this is a mockery of the courtroom. Who do you have as the no, concierge? <laughs> uh, so it's hard to replace Tim Curry. He's he's a legend. And this uh. is one of his weirdly like, you know, iconic roles, even though he's a small part of the film. Uh, but he's so good in it. I don't know why this guy popped in my head. I don't know if it, because Tim Curry doesn't do an accent, but kind of does. It's a, a poshness to him. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a poshness about him. So I couldn't stop thinking about like I need somebody with an accent, and the person that kept coming into my head over and over again as this would have like a very great arrogance about them but also the silliness is uh john oliver <laughs> nice i love john oliver that's good man good choice all right phil who do you have cast here uh same same page as brandon uh as far as you want someone that is kind of posh and, and would normally be respectable but in the situations that kevin McAllister puts him in it all that uh comes undone uh i went with kenneth Branna. Uh, he played Gilderoy Lockhart in uh, uh, the second Harry Potter movie. Uh, and he's just, I, you know, I think about that, just he can do both sides of it. He can be the respectable, but he can also <laughs> be just the completely off the wall mm. goofy. I, I think you both missed it here. Both great actors, but just not quite right, man. Um, so the concierge's name is Mr. Hector, uh, by the way. Um, so 
Wow. Yeah. My concierge, when you think of the actor in terms of the comedic performances and the characterizations he's done, he would be pitch perfect as the concierge. Thomas Lennon is my concierge. From Reno 911, mainly done for that. Yeah. I like him too. That's a good choice. He's on the money. Yeah. This is a character he would be playing. I, 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 you could, I could definitely see it. I love the Tom Lennon casting. I thought it was just fantastic. But there is a poshness that, man, there's credentials behind that. I mean, this is Mr. Belvedere mm-hmm. 2.0. Lennon's this done guy that before. He's been proper. You top. have to see him in other stuff. So when I thought of posh, I went with the president of the Royal Academy of Arts with a BAFTA, two-time Emmy, Golden Globe, all the awards, Kenneth Branagh. I love this casting here. A little too intense. Thank you. A little too intense. I, 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 I give an honorable mention. I almost put Taika Waititi in here. I thought he would also. Yeah, a little, be probably a little bit better. Good. I mean, uh, just Brana, too goofy. I'm, 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 I'm terrified. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, there's, he's too it, intimidating. The, I, this was the bad guy well, from Christopher Nolan's Tenet. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ. Here's guys. the thing. But he's also Gilderoy Lockhart. He can do both sides. He but should he's be still intimate. got a darkness like, I don't know. There's behind him, dude. There's a capability okay. with him. This is probably the only yeah, pick yeah. I'm going to win. It's probably the only pick I'm going to win. Let me have it. Okay. I disagree. <laughs> Shitty. I've got well, two hairy butts on both of my castings. Both of my castings were fucking excellent. And for whatever reason, yeah, I, I shouldn't have compared myself to Tom Brady on the recasting. That's what I did. And this is what happens. Yeah, any, ch- any chance you get. Okay. I like Ricky Gervais. That was my alternate. Uh, Gervais would have been good. I like that, yeah. Bill. Well done. I love the Kenneth Branagh. I, honestly, uh, Warren, I thought this was you. I was expecting the stretch when I saw this on paper, and I was expecting Phil to go, Tom Lennon, or possibly Brandon. But, I mean, the, the Thomas Lennon's fantastic. I think he'd do so well. But, God, I really thought Kenneth Branagh was you. I did. I wrote your name next Here to that go. one. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. All right, uh, okay. guys. Some of the losing I'm, sauce. It, it, this is this is going to be hard for you all to maybe understand uh, on the surface. However, if we have a tie, Marv is my tiebreaker. Fucking love me some Marv. No, no, no. Marv is on another. Daniel Stern is on another level in this film, and the physical comedy that he brings to it. Uh, Dude, his line deliveries? Are you fucking kidding? He's Dude, great. Arguably, my best scene is just a gesture, an expression that he does. It's just him. Like, seriously, he's fucking terrific, dude. Uh, the, he almost the, stole the whole movie. Yeah. The whole meeting the uh, the model in the park, and there's oh, no... Oh, <laughs> 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 revoir, mon chéri. This guy is next level. I can't wait dude, to hear dude, it. Dude, hold on, hold on. I just talked about it, best scenes. Are you kidding me? His best moment in the movie is when he's in the toy store and Macaulay Culkin's taking his picture and he stops and smiles. He just smiles. <laughs> so many iconic marbles. Oh, God. Genius. Oh, I don't know if that was in the um, script or he, he had to have improv that. I, I mean, that's yeah. fucking so, genius. I, I think we... I think we've set up what's required of the character. Everything, um, Everything is with, required. I went with, yeah, it's required. But just that that aloofness, lack of awareness, <laughs> the physical comedy. Um, you, you can you can We're laugh at this bandits. guy getting hurt. <laughs> okay. Um, Shut up, mom. 
<laughs> so uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm waiting for y'all. <laughs> y'all keep going. Landon, uh, Bill, who do you got here? Who's your Marv? Yeah, I, I went with I went with Danny McBride as my Marv. I think he'd be oh he'd be so good uh, as, as uh, he checking all the boxes. Don't even say no, I you know man, him. And it's almost too. It's almost like so on the nose. It probably bomb. It's he oh, did to be too. No, I don't know, man. It, dude, it's, it's so hilarious so. to listen think to so. you think of every. Excuse no, it's kind of like, kinda like oh, putting no, Will Ferrell and uh, John so C. Riley into you know Sherlock Holmes and Watson. It's just it doesn't feel right. It feels like it would just be a comic uh, misstep. As brilliant as Danny McBride is, I don't see him in this part. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he just can't. He can't give. He just can't give credit for a good recasting. No, I, I can't. I don't like it. I don't like it. Warren, run with it. Who do you have here? Uh, well, I was going to go with Walton Goggins, but apparently I've already used him because Phillips is a fucking Schefter over here and he's policing the usage. We, we use, you and I can use one actor, the same actor one time per season. Okay, whatever. So, yeah, but yeah, advantage here, Brandon. You get to pull from quite a <laughs> pull here. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. You don't suck. <laughs> you're, you're basically just knocking my legs up from under me. Thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. nice. You're very well, yeah, because if uh, you yeah. win. You know, it's because you got. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I normally don't. I normally don't lose. Okay, so this is tough for me. Uh, uh, okay, no, uh, Marv, you can go Walton Goggins, and he's just so on the money. Uh, I listened to him on a pod; he's great. Uh, Jason Manzukis as my Marv. Uh, he's got just the right quirky. He's got just the right quirky kind of comedy, and he plays good to being a Robin to someone's Batman. He's literally perfect for this part. Brandon, who do you have cast? That's bullshit. Warren. Because I have to turn my answers in, and you're like, give me your answers, ASAP. <laughs> and of course, I also picked Jason Manzoukas. Again? What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Not just a friend, a partner. <laughs> He's so great with physical comedy, with like just the silliness. He steals every scene. He may he mostly does TV, yeah, which I don't understand. But whenever he comes in, like with an episode of like Brooklyn Nine Nine, or when he come in on the League, yeah. uh, Good Place, like he steals the entire episode, uh, and I could see him just perfectly, just like rolling up in there, doing the, all the physical comedy, landing all the the silly lines, improvising. Probably even more, but I love him. He's he's one of the funniest actors out there. Well, so y'all had a match up there. So I mean, I w- now to be fair, Brandon, we have ours picked out before I'm we. Asked. I know, I know. Oh, okay, 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 I okay. Or didn't okay. steal it from me. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I man, these are good castings. They really are. The Jason Mantzoukas casting is fucking awesome. It's just. That I I love it, I love it. He's great. Nothing he, else. He to really say. he really does still every scene he's in. So with the uh, the Henry Winkler, since you guys tied, it's going to keep the ball in your court, Brandon. So you're up. Who do you have cast as Harry? Ah, uh, this this was a little tougher because you know I uh, a legend like Joe Pesci. You know it's hard to. Uh, it's hard to replace. Uh, 
he has a toughness to him, but also the silliness. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, but I just kept like coming back around to uh, this image of an SNL character. I can't even think of who, it, like what, uh, what bit it was that he did it. But uh, Bobby Moynihan, I I kept seeing this part. <laughs> Bobby he's Moynihan. So, he's so. He's he's one of those oh. underutilized like comedic talents like you know, uh, drunk uncle is one of the. I was gonna things. say, was it drunk uncle? <laughs> not it's not <laughs> but it kind of is. I mean, in the it's sense, close. Like, he's it's just, close because like, kind of a bum. In in the, the sense, like way he's like Marv. He's like, come on, Marv. Like it's a little bit of drunk uncle, but there was some other uh, sketch that I can't think of what it was, but he can he can pull off a little bit of like sarcastic fun tough guy. But also all this the fun physical comedy that this role entails, like he would kill it. So that's me. Warren, My who film. do you have cast here? Uh Harry. Uh, you know, it's funny we mentioned the Barry show, because I have another actor from that show that I uh recasted here, Stephen Root. <laughs> As my Harry, this is fucking dude. If I lose this one, I I'm just I'm I'll fucking quit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's no way. This is perfect. Come on, man. All right, Philly. Take it from him. What do you got? Off top rope? Yeah. So, you know, as Marv is the silly, goofy, physical comedy side of this sticky bandit duo. Harry, there's some danger there. He's got a gun. He points to Kevin. There, there is an inherent fear and danger and, and intimidation that has to come from Harry. You laugh at him. He's got to have the physical comedy aspect too, but you've got it. He's also got to come across as threatening when he needs to be. I went with Bobby Cannavale, who is actually a, a funny actor, but can also do the side of it where, you know, he, he can come across as he's a criminal. He's, he could, he, he, you have something to fear there. And the winner is Bobby Cannavale. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was almost going to suggest that we treat Harry and Marv as like a combo package. Yeah, like we've a, talked about two, that two from time one. to time on some of these movies, like doing a. I, I feel a like dual if it's, casting. If it's a, yeah. If it's a pair of actors that are only on screen together, like if they don't get any screen time apart, maybe we do that. But I got to tell you, if, if you did that, you would have cast Bobby Cannavale and Danny McBride, and that does not even get close to work. <laughs> okay. Well, Bobby Cannavale and Jason Manzukis, that does probably better. Yeah. Jason Manzukis and fucking anybody is going to work. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like the dude is yeah. a scene stealer from Taco. And <laughs> that's, that's true. almost that's impossible. True. The from idea the yeah. of just that sentence is impossible. Come on. All right, Philly, keep it rolling. Who do you have as the impossible, the amazing Catherine O'Hara, Kate McAllister? Very difficult recasting, uh, like you said. Um, again, you need a multifaceted actor that um, has comedy chops, but can deliver in the emotional moments, uh, and you can, you know, follow the, the this parental, this mother figure that is trying to trying to get her son back for Christmas. Uh, I went with Rose Byrne uh, as my Kate McAllister, who again, drama, comedy, she can do it all. And just so happens to be married to Bobby Cannavale in, in real life. So I, di I didn't really think about that when I was casting them, but they, uh, but I, I feel like she is a good, a good fit for this part. All right. Warren, who do you have? 
Hey, McAllister. Uh, thought of Kerry Washington. I just came to mind watching this uh, because you do need an actor who can do the comedy and drama. And 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 I, I just thought of her uh, for whatever reason came to me when I'm watching it. But I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you, <laughs> Emily Blunt uh, is who my Kate McAllister would be. That's good. He's got everything you need in the pot. It's good. See, he said that works. One, you said a good recasting. I'm like, hey, that's 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 complimentary. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, shut up, that's yeah. Complimentary, you know, right, positivity, going. Yeah. good vibes. Okay, right. Brandon, yeah, if you weren't whatever. here, it would have been like, are you fucking drinking right now? Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> True. Who do you have cast as Kate McAllister? I rewatched the movie recently and just it's good you prepped for this <laughs> something nobody else on the podcast <laughs> appreciate that Touché. uh did you read the script brandon did you read the script i did i did yes uh okay damn that i just watched Catherine O'Hara. like she's so great with her facial expressions like like that is half her comedy that she just like uh and and I was like, what other actress could like kind of emulate, you know, that kind of expressionism, like in their like comedic interpretation of the role. And I landed on Kate McKinnon. I think she's nice. amazing. Uh, she can do, you know, not as silly, but uh, Mrs. McAllister also has very silly moments. Get the SNL alum in here. I was saving it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Oh my God. You know, you need to have a mother that people can still kind of have sympathy for that is obviously a terrible fucking mom to play Kate McAllister. <laughs> I think if Kate McKinnon was in there, you'd think like trailer park like it it would just oh, oh wow. man it would be it would be a different aspect on how we view the mom you've got to have somebody that can nail this mother that you feel bad for but it's just god awful and i love the idea of rose Byrne doing that yes yes um a couple honorable mentions i had Kristen bell and leslie mann Kristen well. bell would not be horrible that would not be horrible all right, bring it home, Philly. You can put this one on cruise. Who do you have cast as Kevin McAllister? This is an impossible recasting. This is an 11, 12-year-old. We've we've really pivoted away from casting child actors, so it's tough. It, this is an, it, it, Not to mention it's Macaulay Culkin in this type of role. So We I, should I just probably update all the- Brandon on how this goes. We don't really do sales pitches and big conversations and no rebuttals on child actors. Just keep it kind of clean and you give the name and move on. So uh, I, I watched the show Sweet Tooth recently on Netflix and there's a uh, actor, young actor that plays Gus named Christian Convery who's just very charming, very charismatic and I, I feel like that's what you need for this part. Uh, it, it, again, impossible to do, but that would be my choice. All right. Warren, who do you have? Man, this is the toughest, one of the toughest characters I've ever had to recast. I mean, after doing this for six seasons, 
it really doesn't get any harder than I, I I spent hours on this man. I got I got nothing. Okay, nothing because there's nobody on Macaulay Culkin's level today. There's nobody. Never Macaulay has Culkin been, never will be. Shirley yeah. Temple really of can. his day, yeah. and he was huge. Two thousands Dakota Fanning. Okay, but still not as big as nineties Macaulay Culkin. And, and then you got you know two thousand tens Jacob Tremblay. But that child star. The, the metal the star wattage is decreased with each one. Child stars are a little less prevalent nowadays. Uh, they just don't. They, they, he was literally the Tom Cruise of child is just. Yeah, I can't think of anyone else. Uh, I I, I want to go. The only th- person I can even think of who's even age appropriate. And I don't watch kids stuff. I don't. I don't know actors that are this age. In Armitage from Young Sheldon. That's all I got, man. I got who's yeah. who's. Who's also not actually age appropriate. He's like 16 or 17 now. So, What? No, he's not. Brandon, yeah, he who do you have cast no, here? I'm going to check. I really like this guy, uh, this one kid. Not, not, I'm not gonna, <laughs> uh, I like this kid's work in cer- certain projects. Oh uh, there was a, uh, uh-huh. a movie called uh, Secret Headquarters with uh, Owen Wilson. And this kid basically did like, uh, kind of a level of like Kevin McAllister, you know, kind of setting up, you know, a defense of the home type thing. And then he was in the Adam project with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, and he's about to be the new Percy Jackson in the reboot series. So he's, he's great with everything he does. So I went with the, the kid Walker, uh, Scobell. Okay. So you guys successfully cast two 14-year-olds and a 15-year-old for a 10-year-old Kevin. Uh, Dude, who the fuck is 12? 12. I'm just saying, as a father, there's a huge difference in a 15-year-old and a a 10, 12-year-old. Yeah, actors are they, they play what, younger. What do you expect from us? We, it's like, well, you I'll already know what you signed up to, for. I was, I was we are to look saying I'm not allowed to 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 do a yeah, lot dude, of we don't, Brandon, and I don't, well, Brandon and I don't have kids exactly Brandon we don't have kids we don't watch kids stuff we have no we I don't know kid actors sorry so uh I was just, just trying to find out who who like the most famous 10 year olds are right now you know and I just heard TikTok stars I just now you're on a watch list I just heard like my camera on my like uh <laughs> my computer was like yeah go ahead move in we got it so, <laughs> no, I will say that, and in, in maybe this is a a sad sign of the time or a, a distinct yeah. showing of where things are going. But all of the most famous child actors, famous people, it's all influencer. It's all TikTok. It's all YouTube. Yeah, just none that, of yeah. them are yeah. in movies and TV shows. None of it. It's all self content yeah. and YouTube and stuff. And that that yeah. like blew my mind. Really, the the biggest star Sad. is uh ryan from ryan's world from ryan's like world are you gonna say that yeah. yeah yeah and that just um it, it just goes to oh, show wow. where the know. state of movies are and, and actors yeah. and what we're building so. i don't even know what ryan's world is is that oh oh my god all right bob lay it on us so i didn't give you an answer oh sorry you didn't no they, i look the cast, the character, Ian Armitage has got the perfect smart assery to do this thing. Love it. Here's the problem with that. 
Warren has already used in Armitage this season, so he what? is disqualified. You son of a oh, bitch. Oh, oh so you that, You're such an asshole. Hang on, hang on. Adam Schefter just fucking saving <laughs> fucking daggers over here. Well, and that's your new nickname. It's Shefty. Phil is the Shefty on the pod. In it's that cast, Shefty. since I can't go with just, uh, you know, familiarity God, for the reasoning. Damn it. I listen listen to the logic six. behind this one. Uh, because I love Ryan Reynolds and he was in the Adam Project. Walker Scobell's going to win this one. Good job. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he did. That's the logic. So who wins? That's the logic. Uh, that uh, with the tiebreaker on Marv, Brandon wins. Is that, is that the first time I guess this one? A recast? No, 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 Shefty. No, no. Has Brandon won before? Uh, I think oh. Brandon. Uh, Brandon has won before. He won for oh. he was he won for Batman. Oh, <laughs> hang on! But how many times has he been on the show? Four. Uh, well, four episodes. Four times. Okay, so, that's two. That's fifty. So he's fifty percent win rate. Yeah. So he's that's Tom Brady. So he's still he's still not as good. God damn it! No, he's not recasting. Bob, you fucking as, fuck. Oh, here we go. God All damn right. it! So let, let, let me let me let me just do a fun little breakdown of back in season one, who our recastings were worn. Do it. Uh, so we 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 actually recasted Peter McAllister, the dad. Um, I, you had Mark Wahlberg. I had Jason Sudeikis, uh, for, Terrible. for, for Kate McAllister Warren, you had Catherine Hahn and I had Emily Blunt as my Kate McAllister back then. That's crazy. I didn't even know that. Wow. Um, Catherine Hahn's pretty good though. That's for, pretty- for, for, for Marv, you had Charlie day. And I had Jason Mantzoukas as my Marv. <laughs> Early day. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, for Harry, probably, fucking day. <laughs> for, for for Harry, and this is probably one of your worst recastings, Warren. For Harry, your your, you. your Harry was Danny DeVito, uh, and my Harry was Michael Rooker. And then for Kevin McAllister, Warren, you had Finn Wolfhard. No, I was going for the sunny Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, oh, it's always sunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I see that. Okay, I got you. Uh, for your Kevin, you had Finn Wolfhard. Uh, who's clearly H out of that. And then I had Abby Ryder Fortson, who was the kid from uh, Ant-Man. So anyway, good job, Brandon. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Recasting court is adjourned. All right. Fan theory time. So there's not any good fan theory specifically for Home Alone 2. Uh, so big I'm, surprise when you're doing them. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Shots fired. Um, uh, so I'm going to rehash a very popular one out there about Peter McAllister, how he's able. It's from. It's got a lot of traction from the first film. He's but the I, lawyer from Sopranos. I'd be most interested to get Brandon's take on it. No, the, the 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 fan theory is like, how can he afford their home and take all these trips? It's because he is actually a mobster. And Brandon, have you heard that fan theory before? I had not, but uh, it tracks with uh one of the things that i kind of put my notes in that uh peter mccallister may be the worst father ever (laughs) in that uh one everything that happened the year prior how do you decide to like do a trip uh, the following holiday after your son was almost you left your son at home he was almost like abducted after on a horrific home invasion. You're saying that like it only makes sense if he's like forced to by the mob bosses. Like we got to go to Florida because you know I yes. got to talk to a person about a thing. 
Yep. I I, I see that. Also, uh, consider no, how here's the thing though: if he would have once Kevin showed up, not missing or whatever, he would have been on the phone when it had his goons in Chicago go by the house. They wouldn't have called the police. Uh, he he would have resented the police because he's in the mob. He would have been using his people. Like in Mystic River, like when Sean Penn and everything, he's got his own crew doing stuff. It's the same fucking thing here. They ain't using the law. They've been too obvious to the family. He's got to keep us uh, a clean image. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also consider how he was like kind of defensive against Joe Pesci's police officer character in the first film. Where he's like, oh, are you the, how's that, oh, am I in trouble for anything? He like immediately was defensive. Uh, he was being it. incredulous. He was joking. Uh, okay. Well, anyway, that's the fan theory. It's got it, it's a very popular one. It's I not like mine, it. so yeah. Basically, what did he do? How can he afford this? Home I mean, I, I think there's a lot of Paris, things. He could be a doctor. He could be a lawyer. Uh, he could have invented something. Who knows? I mean, God bless you. Got to be rich. How many families travel at Chris? Don't people stay home? I mean, the fact that he just pulled out the the power cord to the to the alarm clock and didn't even give it a second thought. He's like, yeah. Hey, these things don't matter. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and that caused the whole sequence of events that led yeah. to them leaving Kevin yet again. I'm like, he's an idiot. <laughs> he is an idiot, yeah. And we'll close out the episode discussing the legacy of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. Man, uh, talk about the franchise. Uh, quite prolific. Uh, in terms of how many movies, I'm shocked at how many movies have come out. I, I can't believe there's been six total. So there's been four, as we said earlier, four additional Home Alone films. I, Let me give you the rundown. insane, dude. So Home Alone 3, which was released in 1997, Terrible. made $79 million at the box office. Uh, Home Alone 4, Taking Back the House, was a 2002 made-for-TV movie. Uh, and that one actually, I believe... Is, is in the ether. I don't think it, you can see it anymore. Not only Disney has it up there, do they? But that one actually, it was almost like a reboot. It used the McAllisters. The kid was Kevin McAllister again. But like it was like the Dumb dad. Move. It was really weird. Home Alone, The Holiday Heist, which is the fifth film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Came out in 2012. That was a made-for-TV movie. And then the most recent one. That was came, on Disney Plus. Holiday Home, Heist. Home Sweet Home Alone. Yeah, uh, came out with uh, had uh, one of the kids from uh, Jojo Rabbit in it. Uh, that came out in 2021. It was a Disney Plus release. So, yeah, uh, six films total. And, and, and the actor that played Buzz McAllister in the two originals reprised his role in uh, in the, the the new one. Sweet oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Three went straight to TV, and then three were theatrical releases. So, and then they also had a lot of video game ad- adaptations for one movie. There were six. Video game adaptations, all for different, all the different platforms: Nintendo, Sega. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, dude. There's a bunch of video games uh, that was made for Home Alone Two specifically, based on the movie. Um, and there were a bunch of board games too. So, oh uh, fuck me, yeah, a lot, a lot board of, yeah. games. Um, all right, guys, I want to get this out of the way. We talked about it a little bit, but if you have anything, I'll, this is the floor to to air these grievances. I know we don't normally have, have moments like this where we say things that are bad about them. It's not really bad. It's just, what are some things that would not work today in 2023? You said a one early, just a moment ago, Brandon, I, that I'll, I'll steal from you. Peter McAllister unplugging the alarm clock, plugging it back in. Number one, why the hell is nobody in the house setting an alarm clock 
And number two, today everybody uses their cell phone for their alarms. So there's like zero well, percent. Cell phone chance. could have died. Okay. That's how you would do that. But you're not going to charge your but phone. But you're not going to have a family night. of 25 people where everyone's going to sleep in. That's ridiculous. There's going to be an early riser out of there that's getting people up. So the first film made more sense. The power went out. So that that there's your... Yeah, especially if it's an early flight, like a 5 a.m. flight or 6 a.m. Everyone, in that case, 25 people would sleep in if the power was out. It was an 8 o'clock flight. All right, so I have but some But you got to be up at 5 a.m. I mean, you got to get to the fucking airport. You got to check in. You got to check your bags. Uncle Frank is even more of a bigger piece of shit. The fact that he doesn't even bother to set his own alarm clock. He's just a mooch. Oh, he's a total yeah, mooch. A total Absolutely, mooch. yeah. So are there any other things that kind of jump out at you watching Home Alone, that Home Alone 2, that, that say, okay, this would never, you wouldn't be able to make this film the same way today where you would have to change it? Well, post 9-11, he's not getting on the plane without a boarding pass. That's a big one, yeah. Uh, it's not happening. Uh, yeah, so th- I think there's just several things, Kevin. Would, he's never getting the hotel room now. Never getting the hotel room with a credit card. It's just, yeah, there's a lot of things that just wouldn't work. So it's easier for these types of films, I think, uh, in the 90s to, to be. Well, made. even with the tracking stuff, he would get notified there were big charges on his phone anywhere. He would never know immediately where he was. There wouldn't be that lag with him having to call the police and then call the credit card company. You, you would know immediately where But it, it would stop at the airport. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah, he would be stuck at the airport. He, it would be it would be uh, Home Alone, the terminal. Well, like Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> literally what it would be. He'd just be living in the terminal. Yeah. Home alone, home, a terminal alone. A terminal alone. That's literally what it would be. Airport that drives me crazy. One of the things that makes me crazy when I rewatch this movie is that I know having lived in New York and gone to every single airport multiple times, but there's no airport with a, a view of the Manhattan skyline. Like they always show Kevin look out the window and be like, that's true. What city is that? Like, that's true. New York. Like really? Like that's yeah. smack dab in the in, in the middle of uh, you know, Long Island City in so there's nowhere. Yeah, that makes he's, sense. You know, you you know, he's, no, he's right. That, yeah. He's right. Uh, so I, it's so funny you say that, Brandon. The first time I went to New York, you actually look for that window to see the city. You're like, oh, I can't get it to see. Yeah. The, there's no window like that. In fact, all you can see are a couple buildings above some trees. Very, very far away because yeah. it's kind of a drive. You, you can't even very see it. Very far dude. away. It's wow. pretty far. Yeah. You, can, you can see a couple of tall buildings like that just a, peeking okay, out from – yeah, that's it. And to to your point, Phil, uh, one thing that would never uh, happen today is filming a scene where you have a 12-year-old that's getting uh, swarmed by pigeons. <laughs> a scene towards the end where they're like – where they're like like pigeons everywhere, real like, real, real pigeons, pigeons, yeah, 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 no, yeah, that's and, the, yeah. and he would not put a wild. There would be so many people like butthurt about that today. Oh you yeah, know, you I can't know. do that. <laughs> not good for the kid. It's not good for the pigeons. Yeah, oh for sure, would not happen. No good. Well, maybe you have a thing where you don't give your young child a cell phone, but most kids have some version of a mobile device. I'd say by 10, age. by 10, 10, 11 years old, by his age, he's he probably, probably got one. Uh, In that it, family, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They all have devices. Um, oh, he'd have the, AirPods. The would have chipped Kevin. <laughs> probably after the first time, yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. You'd think there'd be a little more... God, instead of that happening again. Anyway, okay. Uh, spoofs of the film. Uh, Homeward Bound 2... SNL, 
Hot Shots Part Do and Beavis and Butthead Do America all spoofed uh, this film. And this film pays homage to It's a Wonderful Life, Mary Poppins, Brady Bunch, Dog Day Afternoon, Saturday Night Fever, Raiders of the Lost Ark, the It TV series, and of course, Home Alone. Oh, and oh, how need I forget both uh, both Home Alone show Kevin watching uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, you mentioned that before. Yeah, um, it, you say that it. Well, both uh, films do. Yeah, yeah. You well, no, I did out. say that. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, you did. I just Fuck said that. You. Okay. Um, funny enough, uh, to talk about the It miniseries on TV. Tim Curry played uh, Pennywise. Oh, that. that's so, right. Yeah, yeah, he was in this film. So, all right, a uh, double feature. Does it need to be even be said what you're watching this movie with? Dude, this is obvious. Uh, oh, it is. It's Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, and then Home Alone 3, right? All right. Well, guys, it's been great. Um, <laughs> so, well, <laughs> no, it's obvious. It's Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2. You got the returning cast. This is the last film where you had the original cast in the Home Alone films. I mean, it's this is... And, and Brandon, it's funny. This is like... I know there's other Home Alone films. There's other Star Wars films. But in terms of the OG original film completions, you, we've, you're been on... When we've completed two the first two film franchises in what, oh, 130-something right. episodes, you helped us complete the Star Wars OG trilogy, and now you have helped us complete the OG2 Home Alone films. Oh, you're we the closer. We will not be doing any more Home Alone. Yeah, you you come in to help us finish the franchises. So. I'll make Kira Sedgwick. <laughs> the closer. <laughs> so when we do, um, I guess when we come when we do the Dark Knight Rises, then what? <laughs> oh, you fight you like a younger man. No, we're not going to do that. Uh, I'm okay. Darkness is your ally. Yeah, I was That's born in the dark, molded in it. I wasn't okay. Anyway, light until I was about, um, and then it was already. So, Brandon, let me ask you this. So, it, I, I would say of the double features we talk about on this podcast, no one cared until I was. Shut the I fuck up! Mask. God damn, this is like <laughs> fucking the main voice. You unleash it, and he can't stop it. Um, oh. All right, don't. You have Don't. Stop. <laughs> so we talk about double features pairings for every movie that we do, but this is, I would say, a rare one where when you watch Home Alone 2, you meant, you said you watch it at least once a year around Christmas time. Do you always pair that with Home Alone? Do you watch the Home Alone first and then the second? No. No. Uh, uh, because, again, lover. I love the original Home Alone, but this is my, uh, this is my favorite of this series, and I with usually another holiday uh, Christmas comedy classic, like usually Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and got that uh, Elf. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We've done all those See, already. Yeah. I'm the I'm the opposite. If I'm watching Home Alone two, it's only because I've watched Home Alone one first, and a lot of times I won't. I'm not saying I watch it every Christmas. I most of the times will watch. I double feature it. I watch one, either I watch them both the same day, or I'll watch them kind of within a couple of days of each other around Christmas time. But I do like where your head's at. So if I don't do that, it's Home Alone and Christmas Vacation, or Home Alone and something like Elf. Yeah, it's good. It's in my top five uh, Christmas classics. It's them, uh, A Christmas Story, Elf. Christmas Vacation and, and uh, the Santa Claus. Oh, nice! Our no, next we're doing the Santa Christmas Claus comedies. next. Christmas comedies. Christmas comedies. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's what's those are the best anyway. It's just I mean, so. It's just so. You've got to be a rare breed of someone that would put in that top five Christmas comedy. Put Home Alone two 
above the original Home Alone in that list. Yeah, and maybe that's it's even more fitting we had you on the episode because you really are a Home Alone 2 lover. <laughs> I love this movie, but man, the but original to me But you love this just, movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. For you to put it above it, the original, it, that's Again, that's maybe something. it's because I love New York. I moved there. Yeah, and I love New I York too, man. City. I'm the same way, but uh, yeah. Well, you've got a place there too, so um, it's yeah. It's very close to where, you know, uh, Kevin caught the wet bandits. Sticky I bandits. Walk over that sticky part bandits. Park. Sticky bandits. The sticky, sticky bandits. bandits. That's right. God damn it! I love that as he as walking <laughs> off. He's like, where the? He's like, if if they ask where the sticky bandits, it's S T uh uh I. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Like, that's I love, so good. Marv's the best. Love Neil it. Stern. It's a must watch. It must watch in the holiday season. And uh, Dwayne Berger, the holiday reporter, summed it up best when they said, "Quote." Writer, producer Hughes and director Chris Columbus have wrapped up the same winning story ornaments from 1990s Holiday Smash. Repackage them in a gleaming array and top them with a sparkling slapstick climax. While some Scrooge's adults may niggle that this sequel is merely a superimposition of the original, kids will be delighted by its keeping all their favorite goodies. Unquote. That is going to do it for this episode of Replay Value. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, the Replay Value podcast is hosted by me, Philip Reinerson, my brother, Warren Paul. Our recasting judge is Bob Thompson. And a uh, special guest today, of course, is Brandon Goins. Brandon, uh, again, thank you uh, very much for joining us. I uh, look forward to having you back soon, my man. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. A lot of fun. Thank you, sir. And, and I, I'll leave you with this uh, before I continue with the, the sign-off. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, and a happy new year. Produced, edited, and directed <laughs> by Water Pickles Productions and dedicated to our father, who we have to did, thank Yeah, that wrote down, didn't you? Yeah, that scripted. I did not, actually. Uh, please be sure to follow the podcast, and if you like what you hear, take the time to rate, review, and share with a friend. You can visit us on our website, replayvaluepod.com, and follow us on X, formerly Twitter, at replayvaluepod. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every other Tuesday, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. This has been a Waldo Pickles production. 